All right. How's everybody doing today? Uh, it's a lot of new faces. How you guys doing? Good. That is a. It was a beautiful day. It's getting kind of cloudy, but it's a great day. It's a great day because it's a day that the Lord has made. Amen. Man, man. Good to see the DeWitts back here. Ah, oh, we miss you guys. <laughs> and hope you guys are well. Hope your husband is well. I, I pray for him because, man, he has a crazy schedule. <laughs> I love you guys. Um, if you guys don't, if you guys don't know, we just came back from like uh, Pastor Mina was talking about. We came back from the leadership retreat. It was an amazing time. And some of the some of the leaders in training were able to uh, see what we're actually doing. You know, when we say we're raising up a mighty army, I mean, and if you look up here, it says raising up an army of mighty warriors. And and you know, we got a, a small glimpse of what that is really like at the leadership training. But you know, it's not just the leaders, but it's the members, it's the body of Christ. We need to be, we, it, it, you know, it's you know, He doesn't want us to be comfortable Sunday Christian. God doesn't want us to be, you know, just have everything that we need and just be comfortable. He wants us to be have the same spirit in the heart that his son had. He came and he came to do a battle. Amen. Jesus Christ came to this earth to battle. I mean, he he he, and the, and the work that he did on the cross was ultimately it's like if you ever did a uh, Mortal Kombat back in the days, like when you play video games, it's like finish him. It's like you know, that's kind of what Jesus did when he died on the cross. It was like that. It's like that killer move. You know what I mean? It's like that. Finishing move. Can you turn that off? It's like 20 more pages. So it's like that killer move that Jesus did. And, you know, and as his children, as the followers of Christ, we have to be warriors for him. Amen? Man, and, you know, last, a few weeks ago, I think two weeks ago, I started the sermon series on our church, on our church core values. And our core value, not our core values, our vision statement is to raise up an army of mighty warriors to go out in the anointing of the Holy Spirit to proclaim freedom for the captives, bind up the broken spirit. It comes from Isaiah 61. No, I, I didn't say it exactly the way I was supposed to say it, but you know, I had the gist of it in there. But that, that, that is our core value. I have it memorized. I just, I'm lack of sleep today. But uh, um, yeah, so that's, I started this sermon series, and last time I talked about Jesus Christ being the commander of the Lord's army, and how Joshua was able to go into Jericho by following the commander of the Lord's army. And, and us, as a part of his army, as a part of the followers of Christ, we have to know that Jesus is the head. He is, he is what we set our eyes on. He is the commander and the leader of this army. You know, and we follow him. And we don't just follow him, but we become like him. And we start doing the things he did. And we start having the same mind as him. I mean, and that's what him being the commander of our, of our army is all about. And today I'm going to uh, continue on in this series. And, um, you know, in, in this army that we're raising up, there's three things that God's actually doing. You know, and this is what Pastor Christian has mentioned this before, but you know, he in the army, when you go out to war, there's different areas. You know, not everybody does the same thing. And one area in the army that you need is you need an ER. You know I mean, you need an ER. And if you guys don't know, it's an emergency room. Some of you guys probably been there. But you need an ER because you know, when you battle people get wounded, people get hurt, and you know, at New Philly, that's kind of what we are. And we ha- we saw a, a picture of that. When we went to the retreat, we had healing and deliverance sessions. And, you know, the, the enemy comes and really tries to attack us when we're young, you know, when we're vulnerable. And, and people have all these traumas and sin and just things that are in their lives. And what healing and deliverance is able to do is we were able to go and kind of really deal with those issues, confess certain sins, you know, and, and really bring a wholeness into your heart and so that you can start walking out your life in the righteous way that Christ really wants it calls us to live. And so in a way, our, our church is really heavy. We're really into healing and deliverance. We believe that as leaders, everyone, you know, our core value, freedom is from everyone. We, f- we believe that everyone should be free. And we should be living a life of freedom. Like I sang today, like, I am free. Y'all need to be free. You know, you guys need to be free from sin. Sins that, you know, always kind of seem, seem to like get us. Seeing sins that always seem to kind of like, you know, pop up on us. We're like, man, I'm never going to. I'm never going to get past this sin. I'm always going to, it's just my lot in life. And a lot of people, a lot of Christians live that way. You know, a lot of believers believe that, you know what? I have my life figured out, except this area of my life. I'm just going to, it's like, like that, you know, like it talks about how, you know, like Paul had a thorn in his side. It's kind of like that. Like, I, this is my thorn. I got to have to deal with this. Nah, Jesus died for all your sins. And it means every area of your heart needs to be open to him. It needs to be 
It means to be open and willing to accept everything of Christ. And in order to do that, you need to be free from sins. So that's what healing and deliverance is. So in a way, our church is kind of ER to really kind of bring in those people that are lost, the people that are kind of struggling with things. People that are struggling and, and, and just in that place are attracted to our church, I think. Because they hear testimonies like my testimony. Now, I was a drug addict in America. I always mention this in all my sermons. I don't know why. You know, and I did a lot of crazy things. I went to prison, and then God really healed and delivered me from that. I mean, I no longer have the same addictions that I had in my life that led me to that kind of same kind of mindsets. You know, a lot of mindsets that I got as a little kid growing up in America, where all everybody was white, and I was the only Korean boy, and like self-image. Like, you know, a lot of image, like, it, problems that I had about my identity, all that culminated into this big rebellion, like, blah, I'm just going to go out and do all this crazy stuff. And then, and, and, and healing and deliverance brought me into the realization of that, and it helped, it helped me to understand how I can get wholeness in my life. And so ER, the, our church is kind of like an ER. We kind of bring in people and heal people and set them free. And it's like a boot camp to raise up an army of God, you know. Every army, you need a boot camp. I went to boot camp for the Korean army. You know, you do, it's not that tough, <laughs> the Korean army. I don't know, man. I think American army probably a little tougher, but it wasn't that tough. You know, they just made you do like squats and like, you know, crawl on the ground. But, oh, but I went through all armies, you got to go through boot camp. You know, you got to get trained up. And that's what we do here. We train people up through leadership, you know, through, through small, small groups and discipleship. We'll, we'll, we'll train you up to be a warrior, to fight to really contend for the kingdom. And then the, and the third way that God is really using this church in the, in the army dynamic is as a base camp to send warriors out into the nations, into the world. And we have our missions ministry. We have Emmaus, our college ministry that, you know, finds all these college students that are here in, in Korea that speak English, train them up, and we send them back to their homes like on fire for God. And we have mission trips that go out into Indonesia and, like, some of the craziest places. I've been to Bangladesh hottest country in the world and it's one of the poorest countries in the world and it's one of the most muslim countries in the world and we went there and we saw 1500 salvations you know it's like this, this is what we're doing and i'm not trying to like pump up our church but you know when there's a, a group of men and women that are on fire for god that are trained up and, and, and have a mindset that they're in this they're for the kingdom of god you can do crazy things and that's how god is moving in our church at this hour you know and uh, God's really raising up a vast army. And, he's, you know, the type of army that God is looking for is a, is a valiant and mighty army. He wants brave people. He's raising up a victorious army. Now, there's a lot of movies out there about armies, like army movies. I like army movies. You know, I really enjoy, like, watching Save It Private Ryan and Braveheart and stuff like that, warrior movies, people go and fight. Now, it's really good. But you'll never see a movie about, like, a, 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 a company of army soldiers that like, saw the enemy and ran away. You know what I mean? Or, like, at the first sight of attack, they said, I give up! You know? You never, you don't see movies like this because, you know, these people, these men don't get remembered. I'm sure there were armies like that in the past. But these men and women, or these men that fight like this, they don't get remembered. So you'll never, you, it would be really hard for you to find a movie where the, the title is, like, called Retreat. <laughs> or, or Surrender! I Surrender! You know? You, you won't see stuff like that, you know? Because, you know, like, in order for you to be, be labeled an army, you need to be valiant. You need to be strong. You need to be fearless. You know, but, you know, like, like I love the movie Saving Private Ryan. You know, they, there's this, this company of soldiers in Europe. You know, they, they, they storm the beaches of Normandy, and then they find out that one of the guys, uh, you know, he, he, he's the last one of his brothers that survived the war. You know what I mean? All his brothers died, and he's the only one left. And then, you know, these, these, these men don't know each other much, don't, don't know this guy. He wasn't even part of his company. They go and find him, and they save him. Hence the name Saving Private Ryan. You know? <laughs> it's like they go and they, say, they, they risk their lives. And they, they risk their lives. And a lot of them, I think majority of them, die in the, private, in the process of saving this one man. You know what I mean? And, but these men were valiant. You know? they, they, they knew what the cost was, and they took it. You know? Or like Braveheart, this ragtag group of Scottish... Warriors that go against the English army, you know, and they know that they're weaker. You know that they're, they're not weaker. They know that they're smaller. They know that they're, they're outmatched in their weaponry, but in their heart, 
Uh, they're like, ah, freedom, you know? Like, they had the heart of warriors, you know what I mean? They were, they were strong, they were valiant, they were fearless. Yeah, and, and, you know, God's looking for fearless warriors like this in his army. He's raising up a valiant army. He's not looking for cowardly soldiers that's going to stick to the back. Now, I'll be in the back doing the laundry, and then y'all could fight up in the front. He's not looking for people like that. Because it's a battle that we're in. We're in a battle. And there's no place for cowardly people, people that are full of fear. Now, and I don't know if you guys ever been in a battle like that in your life. I don't know if you guys ever fought like that. I haven't. I've never really been in a battle like that. But I've seen stuff like that happen. You know what I mean? And I always talk about, you know, I always say I'm not going to mention prison when I'm up here. But in prison... You get a, uh, you get a group of racists, you know, and I think the reason why I like talking about races and, you know, because I learned to joke about it when I was in prison. I mean, you like, you know, you open it and you're like, hey, what's up, bro? And, you know, and so, you know, in prison, there's all these different races. There's the, 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 the blacks, you know, the blacks and there's the Hispanics and then there's the whites, you know, you guys are called the woods. And then, and then there's the others. The others is like Asians, like Indians, Puerto Ricans. They're just called others, you know, so my race, when I was in prison, it was called other, like white people, black people, Hispanic people, other. So, you know, others, you know, and, and you know, like, like when you're in, when I was in prison, then there would be race riots. It happens. Now, people fight amongst each other, but usually when things go down, it's like, man, it's like, like you can see it. You can see it happen. Like all the, you know, say it was a fight between like the blacks and the Hispanic, all the blacks would be on one side and the Hispanics would be all on this side. And the others, you know, because... We're the smallest. There's only like, out of like a hundred, there's only like five of us, you know? So we like, we, you know, we use wisdom and we kind of stay out of their way. And they're like, all right, y'all have your beef. And so we just got to sit here and kick it. You know, like, you know, if you need some water, I'll give you some water. You know? But, you know, like, we have a certain, like, these, these, they fight. They're like, oh, they like, and you can see them like punching each other and all this crazy stuff. And in that, in that action, you know who has the heart of a warrior. You know, because they're up in the fi- front. They're, they're fighting. And then you know who's the one in the back. Because they're like in the back one like, is it over yet? Is it over yet? They're like, be at the bed. Oh, man, I got to put my shoe on. Hey, man, why are you starting without me? I got to put my shoe on, you know? And so, like, you know, I've seen it happen. And you know, in that time, you know who has a heart, who has a valiant heart, who has a fearless heart. I know it's a bad example. But you know, you know, when, 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 it, when it happens, when the crap goes down. You know, you know, you know who is brave. You know who is fearless. And then you know who, who has a cowardly heart. And God's looking for fearless men and women at this hour. Fearless men and women. And uh, an example of a, a valiant, fearless warrior in the Bible that led the armies of God into countless victories was David. David. Now, we all know David. A lot of people named David. Because he was a great man. And a lot of people know him as the one that wrote the uh, wrote majority of the Psalms. He's the psalmist. You know, some of them some of you guys know him as the adulterer, you know, the shepherd. But man, we have to identify David as who he really was. He was a warrior. He was a fighter. He was a mighty warrior. You know what I mean? He was victorious upon victories upon victory for the Lord. You know, he fought and he fought not giving up. He was a he was a mighty warrior, and we want to today. We want to look at the spirit of David, and, and the spirit in which this man was on the earth, and in the spirit in which he related with God, and the spirit in which he did battle for the for the Lord. You know, recently Pastor Christian declared our church to be in a Solomonic era. You know, a Solomonic era meaning that you know there was David, and then there's a Davidic where we would war and fight and you know contend for the kingdom and the solomonic era is, a, is an era in which we're building and it's true you know if you look at what's happening in our church we're really it's a time of building for us you know, us moving into this new building you know establishing like permanence as us building you know our, our our church is back in seoul in hillside and itaewon they're in the in the process of building you know and that's the mentality that we have as a function but not in our identity of being because we are warriors we right now we might function in building, but in our hearts, you know, we're not a bunch of carpenters. We are warriors. 
for the kingdom of God. Carpenters. What did I say? Carpenters, right? No? And so we know we need to know. Some of you guys come into this church like recently, and you guys were never part of the, you didn't witness the Davidic era when we were war and rage against, you know? And so you guys need to know this. This is part of our DNA. This is part of who we are. So you new recruits, you guys need to pay attention. And today we're going to look at the Davidic. We're going to look at the spirit of David. And we're going to look at it by looking at one of his Psalms, Psalms 27. If you guys could turn in your Bibles to Psalms, Psalms 27. It's one of my favorite Psalms. It's, uh, and I like it. You can see the heart of David in this Psalm. Turn your Bibles to Psalm 27. I'm going to read it to you. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, when my adversaries and foes, foes is, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though the wars, though, though war arise around me against me, yet I will be confident. And so, you know, when we see this, when we read this psalm, you know, we could see that God, David is fearless. He's a fearless man. A fearless. He's unafraid. He has a spirit of fearlessness. And even when he was a little boy, out in the, in the, in the, in the wilderness, tending his, you know, taking care of his sheep, he was a fearless man. You know, he goes up to Saul. King Saul goes up to him, you know, and there's this Goliath. And he's like, you know, Saul, I don't know what I did. You know, I was out there tending sheep, and this, this, this lion came. You know, and I fought him off, and I killed him. You know, and then a bear came, and I killed him too. You know, he, you know and it's a sign of him being fearless. And you know, like it, even as a child, he was fearless, and as he got older, he had a heart that was fearless. Like another example is Gideon against uh, three hundred against the army of hundreds of thousands, like the sands in the sea. That's how the the Midianite army looked like, but. Gideon and his 300 were fearless in fighting and going against them, and they were victorious. The Joshua and Caleb, Caleb, he's a, he's a good guy. And they went out to spy out the promised land. And all the other spies came back saying, no, they're too big, they're too crazy, man. No, we can't fight them. We should just go back to Egypt. But then Caleb and Joshua, they're like, nah, we could take them. They had a heart of fearlessness at that moment. And when we look at this, we want to see what is the source of their fearlessness? And what is the source of their fearlessness? And when we look at verse 1 of Psalm 27, we see the answer. It reads, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now, the spirit of David, the source of his fearlessness was rooted in God. God was his light. It was his stronghold and his strength. God was his confidence and his salvation. That was the source of David's fearlessness. Some, some people are, are fearless. They're like, man, I'm fearless, and there's nothing happened to him, happening to him. You know, they're like, man, I feel I do anything. All they do is, you know, like working at their jobs and you know, watching TV. Nothing really happening in their lives. But they think, they think they're fearless. But will you be fearless? Can you be fearless in the eve of battle? Can you be fearless when the enemy is encamped around you? Can you be fearless when they're breathing down your neck looking to kill you? Can you be fearless then? When they're outnumbering you, when they're slandering you, when they're coming against you, can you be fearless then? There's another form of fearlessness that people have these days, and I call it the I don't care fearlessness. Uh, this kind of this kind of what I went through when I was in the States. Like, man, I don't care, man, I'm fearless. And it's a fearlessness that comes from a lack of responsibility. It's a fearlessness that's rooted in hopelessness. It's because they didn't think there's nothing better for them out there. And so like, man, I could give this up right now, man. A lot of people, a lot of gangsters out in, in, in America, they have this mentality. They think they're fearless, but at the heart of their fearlessness is hopelessness. Like they don't have anything more than this. So like this, man, I could give this up right now. I don't care. No, but when things count, when it's time for you to rise up and take your place as a warrior, when the enemy is at your doorstep, or better yet, when you have to go and possess the gates of your enemies, will you be fearless? 
Will you be fearless then? You know, and, and I talked about Joshua and David, but you know, there's a difference between Joshua and David. You know, you know and, and the reason why I choose David to be the example of the warrior for the kingdom of God is because you know, they both have their faults, but you know, the, and the spirit of Joshua is a good spirit. It's a spirit that goes out and conquers things for the kingdom of God. But when it comes to the warrior spirit, it's David and not Joshua. I'm going to tell you why. And we saw in my last sermon where Joshua, in chapter 6 of Joshua, he's able to go and, and with, the, with the instructions of the Lord, take down and sack Jericho. Jericho was a serious stronghold for the Canaanites, and they went and they did the things that God commanded them to do, and they were able to, they were able to tear down those walls and conquer Jericho. And, and right after that, you know, J- Joshua, feeling a little you know, brave, you know, like a little confident, he sends out about 3,000 uh, people to go and take out the this, this city called Ai, A-I, you know, Ai, Ai. So they go out and, and, and because of the sin of one man named Achan, you know, 36 of them were killed. And they, they kind of run back, they retreat back. And this is how Joshua responds to this situation. 36 of his men just died. The, the men that he sent out, 3,000 came out defeated. And this is how Joshua responds. In chapter 7, verse 6 through 9, I'm going to read it to you. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust in their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to give us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? Would that be, with that we have been content to dwell beyond the Jordan? O Lord, what can I say when Israel has turned their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites... And the, all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and will surround us and cut, a, cut off our name and, and from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? Joshua has this small setback. And what does he do? He gets gripped with fear. He starts doubting the word of God. You know, the, the provident hand of the Lord that's been carrying him through the wilderness for all these years, supplying every single one of their needs. He starts doubting the hand of God. No, he gets scared. He thinks that the Canaanites are going to hear of this defeat and start attacking them and that they're going to to be blotted out from the earth. We see Joshua, the chosen leader of the people of God, kind of have like a nervous breakdown. He's like, man, why are you bringing us here, God? We we would have been fine over there, but why are you bringing us here? No, we're going to get destroyed. We're going to get killed. And fear grips his heart. And if we read God's response in verse 10 through 11, it says, the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their, among their own belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. And God's response is like a rebuke to Joshua. Say, like, get up. Why are you acting like a little baby? You know, he's like, why are you? He's like, he was rebuking Joshua. You know, and, and if you look at why he rebukes him in this way, I think the first reason is because no, this is a small setback for Joshua. I know 36 men, important, and you know, probably all their lives are valuable. But in the grand scheme of a war, of, of a battle for the kingdom, that's a small price to pay. Now, you got to count the cost when you go into battle. When you go to war, you got to know that some people are going to, some people are going to die. Some people are going to be victorious. But in, in, in the battle, you have to know that, you know, in war, you got to count the cost. And here, Joshua has a small minor setback. 36 men died, but then he's like falling apart. His heart is melting like water. That's what it is, it's melted like water. And and you see him getting gripped by fear. Get up, God says. And then the second reason why God is rebuking Joshua in this way is because in the beginning of Joshua, what did he tell? What did God tell Joshua over and over again? Who knows? Be strong and courageous, for, for I will be with you. And he says it again, be strong and courageous. And he says it again, be strong and courageous, I'm going to be with you. Be strong and courageous, I'm going to be with you. He says it over and over again, be strong and courageous. So much that it actually became a song. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, he kept on saying, be strong and courageous. But then, and so it's like, man, I told you this. I told you this many times. I'm going to be with you. I've been with you. Why are you getting scared? And it's like a rebuke that God has to give to Joshua. Now this was the heart of Joshua. But if you look at David's response, it's totally different. If you look at it in 1 Samuel chapter 30, this is when David is being hunted by King Saul. 
you know, who has his murderous spirit upon him and wants to kill David. You know, David, he's like, oh, David, come here and play the harp for me because it soothes my soul. So David started playing the harp and then, you know, Saul picks up a spear and chucks it at him. I'm going to kill you. No, and he's like, he's like, what? What happened? And David runs away. And he's like, no, come back, come back. No, I love you. you know, I love your voice. Come in and play your music for me. And so David starts to play again. You know, he's under submission. He's submitting to the king. All of a sudden, Saul's like, I'm going to kill you. No, he's a crazy man. And this man was chasing after him. He was on a, he was, Saul was bent on destroying David. It was his murderous spirit. He said that a spirit, a demonic spirit came upon him. And was what he was out to get David. And so David is running for his life. You know, he's out in the wilderness with his band of merry men. You know, like you know, going around here and there, hiding from Saul, trying to trying to escape. You know, the, the the tactics of Saul. And he's getting chased by the crazy king Saul. And he finds himself leading this band of men, this this group of men that started following him, and just kind of saw the leadership that David had, and they just devoted their lives to him. They said, "Well, you know what? I'm just gonna we're gonna follow you, David." And if you look at it, you think it's just David and a bunch of people, but no, it's David, a bunch of men, and their, their wives, and their daughters, and their sons, and their donkeys, and their camels. All of this was following David. It was like, it was like this, this group like of families like running from King Saul, going around different places. You know, and, and in that time, okay, the Amorites, no, the, the Am- Amalekites, you know, they come and they raid David's camp. And what David and his men are off doing something, they come in, they destroy the camp, burn everything down, take their wives, take their children, take their belongings, and the Malachites, they, they bone out. Peace, got your stuff. And David comes back and he's like, man, these Amalekites, the, the they, they, they destroyed our stuff, they took our wives, they took our children. And then the men, they're like, man, oh, what am I going to do? My, let's kill, let's, let's stone David. They were turning on David. They're like, man, we're we going to kill you, David. Look what you did to us. We followed you. We thought you were going to lead her. And look what you've done. And, and they were talking about stoning David right in front of his face. I think we should stone David. Don't you think? Yeah, I think we should stone Roy. <laughs> I was like, it's like they, were, they wanted to destroy David. They were starting to turn on him. And he lost so much. He lost his wives. He lost his children. It was a big setback for David. You know, if you look at it, he wasn't in a comfortable place. He was on the run from King Saul. And, and this, is, this, is, this is his life. And it was just taken from him. And, and on top of that, his men were turning on him. But, you know, look at David's response. It says that David, but, you know, it says right here, um, each one was bitter. Just talking about the men of David. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his son and his daughters. But it says, David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. They're like, we're going to kill you, David. We're going to stone you. And he's like, man, y'all need to shut up. Man. And he got strength from the Lord. He said, you know what? We're going to go. We're going to ask what the Lord, what we should do. And we're going to go and we're going to take back our stuff. Right? He, he said, you know what? This may be a setback, but we're going to go. We're going to fight. We're going to take back our stuff. It's a totally different attitude than that of Joshua. Now, even under attack of the enemy, when his own people were turning on him, he found strength in the Lord. And he remained fearless. Now, after reading this, I want you to look back at Psalm 27 again. I'm going to read it to you. After reading what had happened to David, let's read Psalm 27. The Lord is my light. And my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Even evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes. If they, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war rises against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. No, and this fearlessness, even in the face of an army, even in the face of war, even in the face of the defeat, attack of the enemy, David found, he found his strength from the Lord. And that's the spirit of David. He had a spirit of fearlessness, and it came from the Lord. So what happens next? He goes, in the next chapters, he goes and he gets everything back. 
Every single woman, every single child, every single one of his beloved, he record, he gets everything back. Because he remained fearless in the Lord. He didn't retreat. He didn't say, I'm going to go get some new wives. Peace, Micah. Nah, he went and he got it all back. You know, and sometimes God may prevent the enemy to succeed over us in attacking us like Job. You know, you think that God put Job in the Bible because saying that, oh, this is never going to happen to you. But it will happen when the Lord might actually allow the enemy to succeed over you. But you, will you be fearless then? Will you remain steadfast and will you draw your strength from the Lord? You know, he can, God is sovereign. He can utilize the enemy to chastise you, to correct you, to test you. But what he wants you to do in these times is he wants you to remain fearless. Like the spirit of David. Remain in faith. Trust in the Lord God. Because the battle is the Lord's. Amen? Amen. So that was my first point. The spirit of David is about fearlessness. You, gotta, you have to have a spirit of fearlessness. In Psalm 27, we see another characteristic of David. If we look at verse 4 through 6. Okay, Go to verse 4. One thing have I asked of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in His temple. For He will hide me in His shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of His tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above the enemies all around me. And I will offer in His tent sacrifice and shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. And we see a characteristic of David and it's, it's like a heart of worship. You know, it's not, it's not a time, it's not this, 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 this heart of worship and joy and praise for the Lord when it's comfortable. When he's kicking it in his throne room. You know, he has his, you know, he has his wife and his children and his concubines or whatever. You know, giving, giving them grapes and, you know, fanning him. It's not when he's saying this. He's saying this when the enemy is encamped around him. When the enemy is, 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 is catching up to him. When his, when his enemies are at his doorstep. They're out to get him. This is when he's saying, I will worship the Lord. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. The spirit of David is one of worship, joy, adoration. Loves the presence of God. He, he adores, he loves the presence of God. Because in that presence of God is where he gets his strength. In that presence of God... Is where he draws from. You know, there's a story in uh, Samuel chapter six. You know, there's the, the Ark of the Covenant. You, know, you guys know what the Ark of the Covenant was back in the Old Testament days. It's a, it was the the literal, the actual presence of God was inside like this box, and they called it the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant, you know, it had to be carried on the shoulders of the priests. You know, it couldn't be touched by just. It, Nobody could just touch it. It was, it was so holy. It was so, so sacred. It was so beyond, you know, human. It had to be on the shoulders of priests. And it had to be carried by these things, that, like, kind of like holding it up in the air. You know, and then David loved the presence of the Lord. He loved the presence of the Lord so much, he wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. He's like, man, it needs to be close to us. I want it close to me. I want it near me. I want the presence of God to be I didn't want to want to be all, all out in Baal Ahab. I think that's where it was at. It was like in, out in the countryside. I don't want it to be out. I want it to be near me. So he wants to bring it into Jerusalem. And, then, and so he goes and he gets, uh, and he loves the presence where he wants to bring it in. And it's like a, he, he gets the Ark of the Covenant and he's going to bring it into Jerusalem. And it's like this celebration, like this parade that's happening, you know. And like at one point it's being, it's carried on an ox. Like they had this cart and it's on top of an ox. And that's not the way that the Ark of the Covenant is supposed to be carried. On this ox, and it's being pulled. You know, and, then, and then all of a sudden it starts to tip. And, and, and kind of like, like tip. And, all, and then there's this dude named Uzzah. He comes and he like tries to hold it. He touches it and bam, he dies. Drops dead. Uzzah touches He's trying to hold it up. He, touches, he falls to the ground and dies. Because the presence of the Lord is so powerful. You guys know it. The presence of the Lord is powerful. You know it, 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 it's scary, man. I don't know if you guys know back in biblical days, 
There's a, the, the holy of holies and the priests go in there. They wear robe. They, they have their robe and then they have a rope tied around them and they got bells and, the, and, and their feet because when they're in there and they're doing everything and they hear the bells, it's all good. But if they don't hear the bell, that means he's dead. They got to drag him out by that rope because the presence of God is, is to be feared. It's to be revered. You know what I'm talking about? That's the holy of holies. The presence of the Lord is holy. It has power. And then so what happened? Like it falls. And then David's like, oh, oh, we shouldn't try that again. Just put it back. No, he's like, no, we're going to do it again. You see him, we're going to do it again. But we're going to do it right this time. So he gets the priest and they put it on the shoulders of the priest. And every few feet, they just, they sacrifice a bull. And then give offering to the Lord. And then take a few more steps. Sacrifice a bull. Offering to the Lord. And then they go a little bit more. Sacrifice a bull. Offering to the Lord. They're like, man, we're running out of bulls, man. What, what are you doing? He's like, no, this, we're going to do it right. We're going to do it right. I'm going to make sure that the presence of the Lord comes into the city of Jerusalem. And he did it the right way. And he was able to bring in the Ark of the Covenant into the, into the, into the, into the, in, into the city of Jerusalem. And he loved the, the presence of the Lord so much. He loved the presence of God. And in Psalm 27, it says, One thing I ask, to dwell in the house of the Lord. He doesn't ask for money. He doesn't ask for, you know, he didn't have cars back then. So he doesn't ask for camels. He doesn't ask for, like, you know, he doesn't ask for more wives. He, he asks for the presence of the Lord to be able to dwell in the house of the Lord for all the days of his life. He was a worshiper. David was a worshiper. He's, he worshiped and he loved worshiping in the presence of the Lord. Now he's the same psalmist that wrote Psalms 24. Who shall I, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not lift his soul to what is false. He's talking about Christ here. He's talking about Jesus. Because there's no way that we can have clean hands and a clean heart without Jesus Christ. And because he knows about the presence of the Lord so much, he's telling us here how to get into that presence. He's telling us the presence of the Lord, you get there through Jesus Christ. This is before Jesus was even born. And it's, it's, his, it's, his, it's his love that he had for the presence of the Lord. He was a worshiper. He worshiped. But at the same time, he was a warrior. He was a warrior. A worshiping warrior. Crazy worshiping warrior. So the first characteristic of David that we want to see here is fearlessness. Second one, he loved the presence of the Lord. And the third one, third, third characteristic of David is he's a man that called upon the Lord. If you look in the Psalms, it's all about I called upon the Lord. I called upon the Lord and he answered me. I called upon the Lord and he inclined his ears to me. He had a habit of calling upon the Lord. You know, in calamities, when challenges came his way, he would always call upon the Lord. And you know, when we have challenges and calamities in our life, what do we do? The first thing we do is we get anxious, we get fearful. We, we, we try to handle things our own way. Man, what am I going to do? What? I only have $100 in the bank. What am I going to do? I'm going to borrow money. What should I do? You know what? You know, like, like this happened. What, 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 what am I going to do? We get all anxious and we get scared. But David, he was a man that called upon the Lord. Let's look at verse 7. It says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Verse 7 of, of chapter 27. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, Your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servants away in anger. O you who have seen my help, cast me not out. Forsake me not, O God of, of my salvation. For my father and the, for my father and mother have forsaken me. The Lord will take me in. Teach me your ways, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the day of the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. He was one that he called upon the Lord. He called upon the Lord when, when, when the enemies was on him. And he called upon the Lord when everything was going his way. Even when 
He was winning victories upon victories. And he, you know, he, everybody's like, yeah, David, David, you're cool. David, yeah, let's give him all our allegiance. He still called upon the Lord. He had a, he had a habit. It was a habitual thing. He called upon the Lord. We have to get in the habit where we call upon the Lord. And when we call upon the Lord, it says, let's read, uh, look at chapter 28. Let's look at chapter 28 of Psalms. It starts with, it says, To you, O Lord, I call, my rock, be not deaf to me. And when we, move, when we read on, uh, it says uh, in, ver- in verses 7 and 8, it says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. In Him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exalts, and with, with my songs I give thanks to Him. The Lord is the strength of His people. He is a saving refuge for His anointed. You know, if you call upon the Lord, He becomes a so- He becomes a source of your source of your strength. And, and when you go out into battle, there's 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 the warriors out there. You know, where is your strength coming from? Where will you get your strength? Your flesh, your intellect, your knowledge. That's not going to lead you to victory. What leads you to victory is when you call upon the Lord. You God to call you God to call upon the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Seek, it says, you said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Teach me your ways, O Lord, and lead me in a, a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. What is, a pic- what is this picture that you're getting of David here? You get a picture of this mighty warrior in the midst of the, of the enemies breathing down his neck. And what is he doing? He's calling upon the Lord. Because when he calls upon the Lord, he knows that his strength comes from the Lord. And what happened in 1 Samuel 30, you know, when they were saying, we're going to kill you, David. You, our, all our, our daughters, my daughter's gone because of you. My son, he was my only son. Man, we're going to stone you, David. And what did he do? David remained fearless. He was a worshiper. And he, was a, he, he just remained in that place of God's presence. And he called upon the Lord. And yes. You know, we are to be Davids at this hour. God's calling us to be warriors. Every single one of you, you guys are called to be warriors. What kind of warrior will you be? What kind of spirit Fighting spirit will be upon you. Are you going to be one that at the first sign of battle you retreat? Are you going to be the one where, you know, when things get tough, you try to do things on, with, your own, with your own hands, with your own intellect, based on what you know? Or are you going to call upon the Lord? It's a time of building and establishing, but that's just in our function. That's, that's what God's calling us to do. Like the, the grace for building is all over this house right now. It's being released into this house. But we are called to be warriors. Why? Because this war that we are in the king, for the kingdom of God is not going to end until Jesus comes back. You know what I mean? It's not going to end until Jesus comes back. Or until, until you die. But you know what? In that time, as, as Jesus is marching his army and, and, and we're running this race and we're going after the prize, you know, we, we need to be an army of Davids. We need to have the same spirit that David had. You know, this, this, this warrior, this fighter, this, this, this man that, 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 that can go and, and kill lions and kill bears. And is, is, is standing on like, whatever enemies comes with you. I'm going to fight you. People are trying to stone you. Man, man, shut up. Let's go get our stuff back. This man is warrior spirit that loves the presence of the Lord. And that is worshiping. This, this worshiping warrior that calls upon the Lord. Don't you want, man, you, you women, don't you want husbands like that? Man, I'm serious. Don't you want husbands that, that will fight? You know what I mean? That will fight 
for the things of God, that will fight for you, but then at the same time, loves the presence of God, is connected to the Lord, is calling upon the Lord. Oh, don't you, you know, don't you want children like that? You want kids that, that will fight, not, not, not in school, <laughs> but will, will children that will fight for the kingdom of God. No, we don't underestimate children, man. It even says, do not look down upon your youthfulness. But we don't, I want kids like that. I want kids that have that spirit of David. You know? And it's not about just being the warrior, but it's a warrior that's connected with God. Connected with the presence of the Lord, that longs for the presence of the Lord. Can you imagine David out in the, in the, in the thing, in, in the wilderness, tending his sheep, and he, he, he wrote... All hundred and how many songs, not all, but a majority of it he wrote is because he was singing these songs all the time. He had this book of songs that he was writing and it wasn't because he wanted to go on American Idol. He wanted to praise the Lord. He wanted to worship God. He was a worshiper. And then that carried on into his battles. When he became a king, he was still a worshiper. He was still in that place with the presence of the Lord. God, I want to be in your presence. You know, even when he was in the depths, getting chased by Saul. His enemies were camped around him. He's like, God, I need you. I want you. I want to be in your presence. You know, I call upon you. Even when he was a king in every, every country around him, he defeated them all. There's no one people that he can defeat. He was a king and he was victorious. He was still calling upon the Lord. He said, God, I want your presence. I want to be in your presence. I long to be with you. This is the heart of David. And these are the warriors that we need in this age. To establish the kingdom of God. This is who we need to be. You know what? This is the same heart that's going to that's gonna be able to contend and fight and bring an end to sex trafficking in the world. This is the same spirit that's going to contend and fight, connect it with God and know the things that need to happen to, to bring down North Korea and bring reunification into this country. This is the, the warrior spirit. This is the, the spirit of David. I want to end with this. It's, I believe in verse twenty, in, in chapter twenty-seven, verse thirteen, says, "I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord." What does what does that say? Is that we're going to see the goodness of the Lord when we die and go up to heaven? God, oh, your grace is so good. You're so good to us. We love you. Thank you for bringing me to heaven. No, we have to find His goodness on this earth as we. Take on the things, take on the, the fight against the things of the, the, the things of darkness. And we, we're in that place where we're like, God, we need you. I need your goodness now, God. That's, he's saying, I'm going to find that in the, in the land of the living. And will you be able to face opposition in the, in, in, in the midst of attack? Even when the Lord is allowing the enemies to prevail over you, will you be able to say, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? Because you know what? Mighty warriors that say that, they are victorious. But the people that aren't able to say that, you know, their, their, their hearts are going to melt. It says their hearts will melt like water. You know, warriors being raised up in New Philly, and you, you, you stick with leadership, and you, you, you come into submission, you come into sonship, and you, you go after the things of God, man, it's gonna come. It's gonna come up, rise up in you. You're gonna want more. Like, man, God, give me more of your presence. Now, I want to do things for you. I don't want to just be a hagwon teacher. I don't want to just be a epic teacher I was, or a talk scholar. I, I want to be more than that, God. You're gonna this desire. God's gonna put these desires in your heart. I want. I want to fight for you. I want to go and do battle for the kingdom of God. And it comes from that place of presence of the Lord. When you're in that presence with God and you're calling upon his name, God, I love you. Be with me. I want your presence. And God's going to give you, he's like, you know what? Okay, I'll give you, I'll give you presence. Why don't you go do this for me? And you're like, what? No, no, that's not, that's not the response that you're going to give him. Because when you're in that presence with God, we learned this weekend about not taking offense. It's like, Tao, I want you to go to Bangladesh. And Tao's going to be like, I will go. Because you know what? I'm going to see the goodness of God 
in the land of the living. When, when he calls uh, Jen to move to Japan and work in a hospital for old people, he'd be like, I don't speak Japanese, God. Go. I will go. Because you know what? I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. You not, you know, and in order to do it, yeah, you see the goodness of God when, you know, when you're loving on Him and stuff, but when you're in that time of affliction, when you're in that time of battle, and you're like, man, God, I need you, and He shows up, that's what David's talking about here. Saying, man, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Not when I'm dead and sleeping and up in heaven. No, I'm going to see it now. Because I'm going to call upon His name. He's going to be my strength. And I'm going to I'm going to worship Him in His presence. Even though the enemy may be around me, I'm going to worship Him. I'm going to call upon His presence. That's David. That's the spirit that we need to walk in. And as a warrior, and as an army of God, that's what we need to be. Let's pray. Father God, I just... Lord, we believe that You are truly raising up an army at this hour. We believe that you are moving. You are moving on this earth. We see the moves of God upon this earth. Lord, and, and you don't just do it, but you call us. You give us the privilege and the honor of calling us into the movement of your work. Lord, and as we move with you, God, we pray that we will be warriors for you. Or warriors that are, that are ready for everything. That fearlessness in our hearts, God. We, we don't fear because you are our rock. We have no fear because, not because of anything, but it's because you are our Lord and you will sustain us and you will be with us and you will, you will fight for us and you will fight with us and that's why I am fearless. Lord, raise up an army like that, God, in this house, Lord. Raise up armies that long to be in your presence, God. Thank God, I want to be with you. I want to be with you. I want, I want you more of your presence. I need to be closer to you. Because, yeah, right now, I, everything's comfortable, but there's going to be times when it's not, and I'm going to need you then. And I'm going to need you when everything is going good for me. I still need you. There's no time. There's not a day. There's not a, a moment where I don't need you. I need you. I need you. Help us to be people like that, God. Help us to be people that call upon you at all times, God. In all circumstances, we call upon you, and our strength comes from you, Lord. Lord raise up that army, God. Lord, because we want to see your kingdom come. Like you called us to play. Pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We want to see it, God. We want to see your kingdom upon this earth. We want to see you take out the red light districts in Busan. We want to see you uh, bring uh, just change into the, into the education system. We want to see you bring change into the government. We want to see your kingdom come. But Lord, you're calling us into this change. Lord, help us to be your warriors, God. Help us to be a people like David, God with the spirit of David, to be able to go and fight and win and be victorious for your kingdom, God. We thank you, Lord. We bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I will close with the closing song. You guys stand up.